You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. The Columbus Crew is headed to the 2023 MLS Cup final. The real question, and we'll get to this, are you? This is the Massive Report podcast. We are here at Saucy Brew Works. I am not Brian Phillips, who is not with us again this week, uh, but we'll get Brian back soon. I'm Patrick Murphy here with Bart Logan, hey, Brett Hilbrett, Sam doing his things. What do we call it? What do we what do we call this little the thing? ones and twos? Yeah, but yeah, but you're so asking small. me and not the professional. Seriously, but it's just like it's not even the it's, it's compact and travel friendly. Yeah, it's I mean it's a great device. Uh, people people can't see this, so this doesn't make any sense to them. Anyway, boys, how we how we doing? Let's let's talk about this game on uh, on Sunday or Saturday night. Um. <laughs> the oh the sights these eyes have seen um i had a weird uh, let me preface this entire soliloquy um with um a bit of a disclaimer in that i had a very weird experience in terms of the logistics of viewing uh what is a top three, top five Columbus crew game all time? Mm-hmm. In that, I worked the Ohio High School Football State Championships. I hosted those uh, on Spectrum. The Spectrum Wi-Fi in the building in and itself did not work particularly well. I know there's a joke there, and jokes love writing themselves. Um, so I missed pretty much the first 70 minutes in terms of actually watching the game. Um, Do you want to know what you missed in those 70 minutes? So, I'll, we, I, not a whole lot other than... <laughs> a lot of crew possession. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, a lot of kicking in the other team's legs. And then <laughs> it, Alan Chapman being on a different planet, apparently, or whoever was doing VAR. Um, uh, but following through crew Twitter during those first 70 minutes was one of the great, um, you know, hour 45 minutes of my, like, Twitter kind of existence. Um and then flipping on just in time to, to watch the, the greatest comeback in the history of the MLS Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, I still had a, have a hard time, you know, we're taping this the Monday after, you know, so 48 odd hours on since all of this went down, I have a hard time kind of still wrapping my brain around essentially like, the incredibly high benchmarks for sports euphoria and, and, and what I've kind of gone through as a sports fan and how this um, kind of exceeds all of those ridiculously high benchmarks for just about anything um, that I've, I've really witnessed. It, it was spectacular. It was exceptional. The fact that it happened in... Uh, you know, the, the, the not-so-friendly confines of the Queen City Loses Stadium mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, you know, against your arch rival, the very noisy little brother that, that FC Cincinnati uh, and their fans are. It, it was one of those nights. Uh, and, and, you know, I always think about um, John Angel was a... Um, I believe he was a sports columnist for the Boston Globe yeah, for, for right. years and years and years. And he has the, in the, in the, the realm of sports writing and, and sports broadcasting, he wrote a column. Uh, it's called the business, the business of Caring. And I always keep this paragraph in my phone in the notes tab. 
I'm going to read a bit of it because um, it speaks to why we care about professional sports and some in the somewhat kind of absurd vulnerability it takes for individuals to kind of put themselves out there to be sports fans. Quote, it is foolish and childish, childish on the face of it to affiliate ourselves with anything so insignificant and patently contrived and commercially exploitive as a professional sports team and the amused superiority and icy scorn that the non-fan directs at the sports nut. I know this look. I know it by heart. It's understandable and almost unanswerable. Almost. But what's left out of that calculation, it seems to me, is the business of caring. Caring deeply and passionately. Really caring. Which is a capacity and emotion that, almost, that has almost gone out of all of our lives. And so it seems possible that we have come to a time when it no longer matters so much what, is, what the caring is about, how frail or foolish is the object of that concern, as long as the feeling itself can be saved. Naivete, the infantile and ignoble joy that sends a, gallant, a grown man or woman to, be, to dancing and shouting with joy in the middle of the night over the haphazardous flight of a distant ball seems such a small price to pay for such a gift. The gift of that night to me personally is something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And I think, it, I think that's something that is such a unique opportunity and it only comes from the vulnerability that you have to put yourself out mm-hmm. to as an individual sports fan. The, essentially the open willingness to be hurt, to experience the highs that come with such a victory. It was incredible. It I mean, I think you said top three, top five, absolutely. It could not. And look, I enjoy it and love it so much on its merits. But man, the the way it was able to that you're able to do that in such a heart wrenching fashion against the hated rivals. And it got pretty heated. Um, in the lead up to it, the you know the banter back and forth, we can you know don't need to relitigate too much. I and mean, there's a lot of relitigating that was going on last week. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but it was um, it was incredible. And I you know I just thought it was so telling. Um, you look at you know checking in on you know we, we look at all the the awards and the accolades that FC Cincy. Um, uh, racked up, and you would would not know that from watching that game. Um, that you know they yes, yes got the goals, but this was a team where you know again the defensive player of the year nowhere to be found because he's a dumbass. Um, the MVP um, in extra time is telling the coach no, keep me in when he is clearly injured. They played ten ma- a man down virtually for all of extra time. Um, from your MVP doing that, um, and, and doing ran- coach, rainbows on the sideline, yeah. Um, and 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 who, by the way, uh, I, I think turned it over on yes. what would have been the you know absolutely, winning goal. Did, um, yeah. and then uh, and and then you have a head coach, you know, the coach of the year, um, who won at home as the supporter shield winning team started parking the bus in the fifteenth minute, um, who. Uh, uh, heard, you know, saw uh, your MVP player clearly hurt, said, are you good to go? 
Um, he said, yeah. And he said, okay, I'll let you go. And, and, and again, you, you have to think of the logic between that because, you know, this was a team that was clearly playing for penalties. And ultimately, look, you got a 50-50 shot with penalties. There's not like this guy's a 90, has a 99% chance or this guy's got a, No, they all got a 50-50 chance. It's either going in or it isn't going in. And to play a man down to have a 50-50 chance that that guy could, if you make it to penalties, which is what they're playing for the entire time, which is embarrassing um, to get that, is I, I think, you know, I, clearly it shows that, that, you know, Pat Noon and those that team has, has a lot of growth to have. Um, uh, it was wonderful to be able to do that to them on their home stadium, to have, um, you know, our players uh, lifting up a trophy, uh, uh, confetti, um, uh, the uh, fireworks. Um, and I'm going to get, you know, it, uh, as much as I it loved all that and, and, and shoving that in Cincy's fans' faces, I am going to, like, be in danger of getting earnest in, uh, here right now. And, and that is that, like, we are an MLS is so much better and, and crew experience is so much better for having FC Cincy here. And not just because we get to beat them, but because of games and experiences like that because there that is a, an eastern conference final because of the rivalries there and because of the geographic and because of all that just brought the stakes up so much higher and i thought it was just absolutely incredible um uh, uh storylines galore from it um, uh, I mean, your boy, uh, uh, Kevin Molino, I think all of us, you know, uh, 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 I, I said it from a, a G bag that night, you know, of course we all, um, had criticism for him, but, um, just with the picture alone, I mean, the, the, the two, the two assists he's had in extra time in these past two games, um, have gotten him, I think, you know, have, have, you know, wiped the slate, uh, clean the picture he had with Christian Ramirez post game, just absolutely wilding out that, that qualifies him for the ring of honor in my eyes. <laughs> um, I don't know the exact criteria, but, but in my eyes, um, and, and Christian Ramirez, that dude is a fucking lock. Um, he, uh, this, this is affirmed by crew historian, Steve Sirk, uh, uh, I, I believe that he has surpassed or supplanted um, Dante Washington as the greatest super sub in, in Columbus Crew history just with those, you know, those two goals. Um, and to see a guy, you know, that's just such a catalyst and just like ever, I mean, just, just riding on a high right now just and, and you know, he's, he's celebrating the birth of his son, still wearing the wristband from Riverside. That was awesome. Um, it's just, yeah. yeah, such so many great storylines. Uh, this this team deserved it so much, um, uh, did it the right way, and um, rewarding and hosting MLS Cup. And maybe some of us will even be able to be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the perspective down there, from the – this whole thing was – was like set up perfectly, right? First of all, I don't know if they showed this on television. Cincinnati's TIFO for the game, which I'm sure has made its way on social media. I have pictures. I actually haven't seen it. No, it I, was just, it's just the, the hell is real sign with the H blue. And it wasn't even pulled 
into the rafter. It was just rolled up. Yeah, it was like the old crew jersey over the, over the, but it was like the most, I don't want to say lazy, people put hard work into it, but it was just like, it lacked any sort of creativity for the biggest game in your club's history. Okay. The one one thing I'll give is, you know, it's not like you know you're playing crew necessarily before that, right? Because it's... Well, you had to know to create a a hell is real sign. Yeah, yeah, but it's still something you got to put together quickly. Yeah. You should maybe have some contingencies ready, like with the anticipation that this could be the case, but it's still pretty hard to put together any TIFO in you know, a week, let alone design something. And, and that's fair. But then you go into that game, you get up 2-0, and as soon as the crew, sc- and by the crew I mean Alvis Powell, who apparently received some uh, racist abuse from Cincinnati yeah. fans on social media afterwards, or from, I assume, they're Cincinnati fans. No, that's uh, what the Inquirer said. Yeah, the... That stadium became a nervous freaking wreck. And it was the most just Cincinnati thing. And, like, look, I understand this is a city, a sports city that's had its heart broken sometimes. Uh, it's not so Cleveland. many times. But it's yeah. not Cleveland. Not that many. But has. But, but not, not, not to the degree that, like, another Ohio City. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the... That's fair. Just the, the... You could just feel it happening. And, you know, Bart, you talk about penalty kicks, like... That was the only way they were getting through at that point. You know, you could just sense in the stadium the, the nervousness from everywhere but where the Cruz fans were sitting. Um, and, and the team played that way. And, you know, you guys highlighted it there that, you know, one, even once they went up one nothing, it was like, okay, we're going to sit back in bunker and try and hit on the counter. And you're doing this at home in the biggest game in the history of your team. Meanwhile, the crew are, you know, I don't know if it was the best – they've ever played, but just dominating possession, mm-hmm. moving the ball. It, it, was, it was just a perfect way for that game to play out and then, you know, to be able to celebrate it. And then, boy, did they celebrate it for a while afterwards <laughs> on that field. Uh, you know, I went down with the rest of the, the traveling supporters. You know, they brought us down to the, the we were up in the, the, upper deck they brought us down to the corner and the team came over and and did pictures and everything in front of it it was just one of those moments where you just stand there and kind of take it all in and you know this team has has had plenty of success throughout its history uh but that's a moment that no one will forget anytime soon and you know i it I have to evaluate. You mentioned one of the best games in crew history. To me, it's always been that game when you beat the fire in 2008, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. That'll always be number one for me. I, I don't know if it's possible, unless there's there's a. I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Unless there's an opportunity to play FC Cincinnati in MLS Cup, which I don't mm-hmm. think we will ever have. Yeah, they played the Red Bulls once. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they change things just so that they make sure that well, that they doesn't change, happen they, again. They change MLS playoffs every year. We yeah. could, that is, could, that I go back maybe, to that. You know, maybe, maybe we do go to a full league at some point. I don't really know. But, like, that one feels pretty firmly set in stone. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Well, no. And, and it was just, you know. That if, can be an off-season pod. Sure. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you were there, then you probably know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, I hope you got to enjoy it at the same level as... as uh, those who were, because it was it was a ridiculously great night, and you know I I can't you know I just can't try I can't express the emotions. I was hugging people that I've never met before, yeah. and that happens at crew games sometimes. But this was just different, and it, it was you know still got one more game. Like I don't want to get 
too uh, too hyperbole here because you still have to close it out, and this doesn't feel as good. But it, it was a special night, no doubt. It is one of those. I think it's one of those moments that, like, t- the only way to properly evaluate evaluate it is with a little bit of distance between yeah. that evaluation and when it actually occurred. Um, which is weird to think of, given kind of the the, the almost urgent kind of nature that the postseason has become over the last three and a half weeks, right? Yeah, it's it, it felt weird because you were like, I hope they don't run out of gas. And then the team that ran out of gas was not who I was expecting. I mean, I think uh, Michael Ares talked about this in his column today about how the crew has had a history of giving up late leads and, and dropping mm-hmm. points and doing definitely doing that on the road. And they, they turned in a performance, the complete opposite of that, two games in a row, basically, on the road, coming back and, and, and well, not coming back necessarily in Orlando, but really taking it to the two teams above them. Um, from, from an on-field perspective, or I guess down the sideline, it was... All the goals came against the run of play for FC Cincinnati. Like, mm-hmm. they had, the crew had possession, the crew were, were creating things, but they kept kicking it at FC Cincinnati people, yeah. which was not helpful. Oh, and that's like, well, it happens when you've got 11 guys behind the ball. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and and to, to be fair to FC Cincinnati, maybe that was their plan. The two goals that they scored were really, really good. Like... Yes, there was a t- turnover by Mo Farsi that kind of led mm-hmm. to that first goal. But if the if that ball doesn't come back to him, and he turns around and really slots a really nice shot, um, and the shot by Acosta, that was mm-hmm. I'm like, what are the odds that it misses all of these heads and legs that are reaching out for it, and it just curls yeah. into the corner? It's like, okay, this might be they're ha- they're full on into their team of destiny mode. Um, and then, especially like the circumstances that led up to that free kick too. Right, <laughs> right, and then. You get the cross by Julian Gressel, and all of a sudden, I'm looking. I'm, I'm the entire second half. I'm sitting in front of the Bailey, um, which has its own danger. Dangers. There is a crew sticker on my lens head, mm-hmm. um, so I had to like turn down just mm-hmm. a little bit so that I don't end up in a beer shower by sure. any, by any. But I the the people behind me only have five had five words in their vocabulary, mm-hmm. and none of which I will say on the podcast. But you know that was it the entire time. Most of which have four letters. Most of which have four <laughs> letters. Uh, to, to be fair to them though, they had they had some really fun chants. Uh, they sang their entire time. Mm-hmm. But right before Julian Gressel had that cross, one of the lead capos was walking around like between stands and was telling. I'm literally sitting right next to the capo stand, and he comes over and he looks and he yells at the two people that are on there he goes like we're 17 minutes away and i'm like (laughs) at that point my brain was like yeah we're about to lose this game and then no later than 30 seconds julian gressel crosses that ball Mm -hmm. it slips through and he goes in and i'm like "Uh uh-oh this could get bad and you can you can tell you might have not been able to tell it on TV, mm-hmm. but the air completely yep, went out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There, I thought, um, you know, for those of you who watched on Apple TV, I thought um, Jake Zivin and Taylor Twelman matched the energy in the building as best they possibly could. Um, I wish they would have been able to kind of touch on the 2-0 leads that Cincinnati has given up in their mm-hmm. history. That would have been nice context, I think, for, for the average fan to have. Um, and would have explained some of the nervous energy that you kind of saw creep into the building right around the 55th minute. 
or so. Um, it's when Schulte makes that save. Schulte makes the save. Huge. The um, the the handball hand goal, goal gets turned uh, yeah. to, you know gets turned around. Uh, there was an offside, a, a very obvious like four or five yard, you know, four or five stride mm-hmm. offside that um, the uh, that I think it was uh, Vasquez ha- has, and that the fans were going ape shit. Mm-hmm. Booing it and like I like I remember thinking, um, we, you know, that I probably turned the I probably got the Wi-Fi to work at Spectre probably like right around that time, and I remember thinking like if they're booing an offside call that obvious if they're booing it that vehemently there's a lot of really nervous energy in the building, and. It, you know, it, it speaks to the, their what's happened over the course of their relatively new history when being up 2-0 in major games. They were up 2-0 in the Open Cup against Inter-Miami, gave that lead back, Messi comes back, and they win. Um, <coughs> excuse me, there are a handful of other, <coughs> even the USL days, there's a, after the Cup set against the crew, the very next game, they're up 2-0, give that lead away, right? So there's there's a history of that in in Cincinnati that... I think really bled into the stadium. Um, and then the second it went to one, um, I, all the anxiety in my body left yeah. and mm-hmm. I was entirely convinced that, that the crew would equalize and then go on and win. I think it's the first time in MLS history we've ever seen a self-imposed red card. The the decision by Pat Noonan to keep Lucho Acosta on the field mm-hmm. is one of the more damning and gobsmackingly stupid things I've ever witnessed in my entire professional broadcasting career. And I'm saying that as a guy who really, really likes Pat Noonan. Yeah, he's been great. It was it was it was like a, a hostage situation there. I don't know why he was on the field. There, th- that made no Especially sense. Especially when Vasquez looked like he still had legs. Vasquez man. had some juice there, but like the the fact that they had a conversation after Lucho Acosta essentially just walked for in that first extra time period. Could can you go? I don't necessarily. I think he actually asked him if he was hurt. Are you hurt? And, and Acosta mm-hmm. said no or shook his head no. And then they kept him on the field. That 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 was horrible. I I, I if I'm an FC Cincinnati fan, I think I'm. I think I woke up Sunday morning seething from that because I, you can tie you can draw a straight line from their lack of legs, especially in their ability to outlet pressure, to the fact that they didn't have anybody who could run at the top of that. Um, it that was that was mind-boggling to me, and and so I thought it was somewhat. Um, there was some kind of just desserts a little bit for him to try and rainbow a ball on the sideline that leads to a throw-in from Steve Marrera that is essentially turns into the Molino ball, the Cucho header that Christian Ramirez scores in the game winner. Um, I think the crew had a little bit of extra juice simply because they played two overtime games in a row, right, uh, coming into that, right? So there's a little bit of an awareness of what that takes. Um, Diego Rossi's running in the 100-minute hundred, hundred Hundredth minute and beyond was 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 a seriously was like genuinely impressive. Especially I thought track back after he looked kind of slow uh, a little bit in the first like fifty minutes. It was interesting, um, but the big thing for me is uh, what Julian Gressel's introduction to to the game meant. Um, the 
since he did a really good job of forcing the crew to build wider than yeah. they had really at, at any point I've seen so far this postseason. And, and, and it, it forced them to rely on Mo Farsi to do something that he's not necessarily super comfortable with. And also Yaoyaboa to, to try and be these, these guys to combine a little bit wider, essentially like channel extended in their, and the crew's attacking third. And that was frustrating because you, the, the, there was no ability to get that, that kind of corner ball in behind and, and on a run in behind because the person who's doing the run has the ball at their mm-hmm. feet. And they, did, they managed to do that without Wobodo on the field, and they, they really, really missed him. I don't think they missed Miazga at all, actually, I think, which was kind of crazy. I thought they actually mm-hmm. played better than without him. Maybe they missed some of his ball control, but like for the most part, I don't think they missed him at all. Um, but it was... You know, Julian instantly gave them a new profile mm-hmm. where the ball at the feet from the guy who should be running in behind is still dangerous. And the way that Mo Farsi is just not that guy. And the, you know, the, the Orlando goal, goal for Christian Ramirez was interesting because, it, you know, it's a great example of like the run to make the run. And, and, and he said after the game, he thought he could get, um, you know, the, or the, I think it was Jansen, the Orlando defender to bite by running infield and then in behind to yep. get on the, the, the square ball there. And it was a very similar run where he puts Powell in a bad position because he's running near stick after looking like he was going back. So Powell's running the wrong way. Hip shoulders are facing the wrong way. And that's why mm-hmm. you have no chance when the ball hits your feet because you just don't know anything about it. Um, but the second ball, I think, is really where it, it, it showcases um, that introduction and what it meant. That's one of the great goals of the mm-hmm. year um, for obvious reasons. And then the, the finish from Rossi was incredible. Um, and I don't know if anything ha- any of it happens without Patrick Schulte making the save of the oh, year, yeah, no. which, I, which is yeah. funny because he made the save of the year last week. <laughs> um, but the... I still, I, I'm, it's going to take me a long time to kind of wrap my head around the decision to keep Luciano Acosta on the field. I, I, that totally bit Cincinnati in the behind, and, and it was, it's one of those things where I know you, you want your MVP on the field for penalty kicks. I don't think he could have taken a penalty. I really yeah. don't think it would have mattered. Like, I, like, he obviously couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't run. He couldn't run from the 85th minute on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he was still on the field. It was it was in, an incredible decision that essentially I think cost them the game, and or at the very least, cost them an opportunity to get to penalties, which is what they were playing for. Yeah. Well, and I think to that point, Wilfred Nancy, the subs he makes. Just think about the guys you just mentioned, right? Yeah. Gressel in the 65th minute creates the own goal. Mm-hmm. Christian Ramirez obviously scores the winner in the 65th minute. Sean Zawatsky coming in and playing center back in the biggest game of his career mm-hmm. and not looking out of place. Shaburko coming, coming in and looking like the player that this team signed. Well, and he's a great tackle on the yeah, yeah. 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 And he yeah. has been he has been much better recently when he's come in, but big moment, you come in and make a big play. And then obviously Kevin Molino. What does that mean to like be able to like we're in a position where you can make defensive subs? Right, this has been like something that this team didn't have like the luxury to do, and it's not. I mean, it's not in his, you know, Wilfred Nancy's like, you know, mantra. But to be able to bring on guys that can 
close games out that you're now to this point feeling like yes, Evan Chiberko, he's you can bring him in there and he's uh, he he's been shut down. I, I, it's huge because to just have these guys that you can rely on to play solid defensively when you Steve Marrero's played every single minute of the season. Um, you know and when these other guys, yeah, exactly. When, when Maltese, you know, played most of the you know yeah. most of the game, most of it too. Um, you know, you've got a guy like. Uh, uh, um, uh, Camacho, who's 32, 33, has, has got a lot of mileage, and this team has played about as much of the postseason as you can mathematically so far. Right. Um, that's such a huge X factor to have going into Saturday. Two things that were that that I noticed. One, yes, Shiroko. I'm like, who is that guy? When did we sign him? Well, he's, he, he, he felt like he, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, maybe that's why. Um, Zawatsky had a couple of really good interceptions, and like where he like really stole the ball out of some forwards in the defensive end and that was really it was good. a second ball machine too. Yes. And then Gressel played probably the best game he's played since he's come to or since he's come to Columbus. Mm-hmm. Everything was just on point. But I will also say Gressel and Ramirez came in. And that's what, what I Gressel and Ramirez came in at the same time. Yeah. And that's what I said. It's like it doesn't make any difference if you have a guy that can cross the ball if you don't have anybody in yeah. there to target. It changes the profile yeah. of what that right side looks like in terms of service, both in that early ball in behind, but also what happens when you have what Taylor, Taylor Toma called it an overload. I don't know if Will Fernandez would actually call it that because yeah. I don't. You can't overload to one v one. That's not how it works. But the um, what they're looking for there is an opportunity to to either serve or have the, the, the runner who would you know kind of be on the receiving end of that service to make the run and create space for the, a second runner to essentially fill the space right. he vacates, right? And um, they haven't necessarily needed that because of the, uh, that, that triangle that happens kind of on uh, would be like zone 15, looks really good and has, has helped kind of create a couple such, you know, really high leverage chances and goals over the last month. But like when you change the profile and force defenders to all of a sudden have to account for, not only do they have to account for the running, but they have to account for the physicality of Christian Ramirez. That changes the entire complexion of, of, of what they have to do mm-hmm. from a physical standpoint. And, it, and, and one of the things that you saw Cincinnati abandon was any and all ability to control the ball after, like, trying to, to, to win the ball in their own attacking third. And that was because they had to occupy... They, the, right. the, Ramirez was essentially someone that always was demanding of their attention. And then Kucher's buzzing around like he always does. He almost I, scored one hell of a bicycle kick, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, if, he, if that would have gone been in... Oh. I, I will say, one, my, my last point here is I just would like to tell Kevin Molino that his apology is accepted for the miss in Orlando that caused us to lose that game. Because by golly, that pass, like seeing where Cucho was and putting that pass literally on his head. I mean, to, to be fair, Cucho could have scored that ball easily. That, that goalie had no chance Probably. that close. But he gets that ball on his head, hands it, sits, it, sends it to Ramirez behind him, and it's just, that was a thing of beauty. There's a, there's a drill that teams do, and it, has, it goes by a bunch of different names, yep. but uh, it's called Barcelona Circles. And like, essentially what that... It, it's not necessarily a goal scoring drill, but what it what it, it it tries to kind of put in your brain is the idea of a bending ball to a square ball. 
and that's a, uh, and bending ball can mean anything, right? But it so that right there is like a kind of the, the fruition of Barcelona circles, or whatever you want to call it, in that it's a bending cross from Molino to a square ball to Cucho that that Cristiano yeah. Ramirez scores, and that third man running always being kind of on your on the front foot and always being aware that just because the ball is moving and not necessarily towards me that doesn't mean that I don't need to be dynamic in that moment and try and create space yeah well and I, I think kind of what we've gotten to here is like the way that this team has built this roster that then Wilfred Nancy is able to use what Wilfred Nancy does with his soccer brain to make it work as well as it has and you kind of you know if you really wanted to trace back you know, Bezbachenko and his staff, as they built this, you know, over the last few years even, um, you can see how, to all of your points, like, how it works, right? You have your way of playing when these guys are on the field. To your point, Brett, the, you know, you bring in a guy like Gressel, who you acquired midseason to be your starter. You bring in a guy like Ramirez, those change games. Those were two really important pieces. You know, obviously Gressel was midseason, but like, and we've talked about this before, I don't think anyone really took notice of Christian Ramirez signing with the crew mm-hmm. before the year. And, you know, a Shaburko signing that I think everyone was excited about at the time, didn't know a ton about him, right. hasn't really worked out. I mean, just the way they've pieced this together. And remember, Wilfred Nancy, when he got to Columbus, didn't want to make changes right away. He wanted to see what he had with the group that was there. And they did make a few, but they wanted to see what he had. And then they built in the offseason, or in the, in the midseason. And making a, those number of changes, uh, you know, it, it's a testament to how well this is all working together. That then those pieces, starting, not starting, whatever, come in and play such a huge role. And again, you know, I just keep thinking to myself, like, that wasn't the championship. Like, we're not there yet, right? Right. But it certainly felt like everything was coming together. And, you know, you've got to close it out next weekend um but the pieces have all fit so well and then have it culminate in in that kind of moment was was just fantastic um go ahead i I just i think patrick schultz he stepping up to that's another one you know i mean i mean and we've talked but like i he is an elite Goalkeeper, he is an elite MLS goalkeeper, and 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 which you analytically, know, by the way, he was not. Yeah, in terms of shot stopping power, is like mm-hmm. bottom bottom like ten percent in the league. Yeah, um, but but the thing about that though is, I thought I thought to to your point, I always felt like that those numbers were a little bit unfair mm-hmm. because of the number of goals that he was letting in that were essentially like directly from outrageous turnovers that no one else in the league was facing that he was he he was facing shots and chances from opponents that other teams weren't so i felt like that number was a bit um like it, the, the there's a there's a shot stopping percentile um statistic that kind of floats around in the analytical world and i think he was like 28th or 27th in the league and like that's mm-hmm. like genuinely not good and um but i always felt like that number was a little bit in like inflated because mm-hmm. of some of the high leverage opportunities that he was facing, no one else was facing because the crew were essentially creating those self-inflicted wounds. And, so, and, and he inflicted some of them too. Yeah, he, yeah, he was victimized in, by his defense. In that very same stadium. Like, let's not forget, mm-hmm. like, that may have been the point in the season where things flipped for him mm-hmm. because he made that mistake and you were going to go one of two ways. 
that was either going to stick with him and there was going to be issues with him on the ball and he was going to be thinking too right. much, or as a young goalkeeper, he was going to take it and learn from it. And, you know, since, since that game, really, I can't think of, like, a blatant mistake that he's made mm-hmm. that's really cost this team. You know, he I think there was, like, one time where he didn't go out, like, he didn't go out into the box for a ball on a free kick or whatever, yeah. something like that. The Orlando game, you know, he could have been better right. and things like that, but, like, the fact that he learned... You know, took that, was in emotional wreck in the locker room, and gets to kind of bounce back in that same stadium is, is a testament to him. It's a testament to this coaching staff for working with him yeah. to, you know, and, and, and some of his teammates too, because they really made sure to kind of grab him and, you know, don't let this define you. You know, it's a regular season game. We learn from this, and he has. Uh, anything else that stood out? Because I do want to talk a little LAFC before we. Uh, before before we get to our final topic, I, I just again I think you know this is one of those other the you, you saw what they saw in Diego Rossi I think yeah a lot of people had been you know critical and maybe rightfully so because you thought we were getting Golden Boot winner Diego Rossi and um, for for the you know contributions he's had he's not scoring at Golden Boot rate. Um, uh, uh, hadn't been at least coming into the postseason, um, but but you, you saw he was creating. But I that 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 was the thing that kind of when he had that sequence, I, I, I believe in stoppage time when he tracks back and and, and takes it right after he scored. It's just I was like, well, this guy does it all. This, this to have the the clearance, have, the, the clearance yeah. off the, the the kind of the bad. Corner kick that yeah, he goes yeah. he goes and Just chases all the way. I believe the center back whose name is totally gone out of my brain. Um, he goes back and essentially wins the ball. Yeah, and and it was it was just like what this is. It's one of those things where when you see a guy who's you know a flash player like that, a flashy player, and it's like he's that bought in right now too, and he's a guy that you know came in in the midseason. You know, the to see a guy that bought in. Working his tail off with that, that that makes you so just just like thrilled, and it's like you know the talents there and that you can unleash it. But if you can get that buy-in, the goals I think follow, and and that and that's what you know we see. Although it didn't necessarily come in that order of operations, it could have been just as easy for him to like say, "Look, tired at that point, I've already made my contribution." Right. Um, that I thought was awesome. I thought. It was ballsy to sub off Aiden Morris. I thought Aiden had had a solid game. Um, uh, uh, and maybe, you know, contributed, maybe shown a little bit more contributions than... Um, Is that Ramirez who came in for... Matan, yeah, Ramirez mm-hmm. comes in for him. For and Matan goes and gets yeah. slotted back. Um, uh, but, but that one paid off. I mean... Every single decision that Wilfried Nancy made, you know, paid off in spades. You look at uh, just just on who, uh, uh, not who scored foot mob. I was trying to get who, who scored, but it wasn't uh, refreshing. Every single one of those subs, seven or higher rating. Yeah. That is yeah, yeah. not something you see too often. Um, uh, uh, just and then and the last is if if you guys haven't seen it. Um, Look at the post from Diego Valeri about Darlington Nagby, um, what he had to say about Darlington. Um, and I am so thrilled 
that because you know it, it's it's kind of easy to forget guys he did not yes he won a ring in 2020 he did not play in that game yep. that's why it was Aiden Morris's coming out party because um he, he got COVID before that and um you, health you and still safety think protocols. of him health and safety yeah, yeah. it could have been don't anything know what happened, but. um uh uh and and you know uh he was such a valuable part of that 2020 team um but I think for him to be able to play in this game um, that hope. hopefully some of us will be able to see and hopefully that he'll be able to play in. Um, uh, I think that that is just awesome. And he does deserve to be talked uh, about among the greatest, if not the greatest MLS player of all time. Well, and I think too, you know, I was mentioning the, the roster construction, how it's all worked. Let's not forget this team got rid of arguably the league MVP at the time mm-hmm. uh, in Lucas Zellerion mid mid season. And to your point, Bart brings in a guy in Rossi, who, as we talked about last week, hadn't put up the numbers maybe you expect and and whatnot. Um, but they made they made a big call there, and you take down the Sporter Shield winners, and now you're in MLS Cup. And Lucas, I, I believe, posted something after the, when after the yeah. game. Um, you know, it's Waylon was posting all these ex players. Milos, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that shows you just like what this team. What, you know, this team is, this team has been, you know, this club, I guess, is the better way to put it, because players really care, uh, you know, about about this team. And, you know, Waylon has played for a number of different clubs. Lucas has put, you know, he could have, OK, my time in Columbus was great, you know, good for them. But this this matters for those guys. Um, let's look at, at LAFC. They beat Houston 2-0. Uh, right after the game, I was watching that one on my phone, so I didn't get to see it as as detailed as we're you know wandering around Cincinnati, not doing anything ridiculous. I promise. Uh, Saturday night, but you get black and gold on black and gold. Um, you get the Rossi versus his old team. Mm-hmm. You get you know Carlos Vela, who has been one of the better players in this recent era of MLS. Maybe the last Carlos Vela game ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, Brett, what do you think, just matchup-wise here, you know, how do you feel about this from a crew perspective? I think it's the... I, I think it's one of the great uh, antithetical kind of, uh, you know, opposite against, you know, or, or uh, perfect opposites playing against mm-hmm. one another where you have like the, the, the evil galactic empire of LAFC and the we see ball football we hold you we we defend we kick ball into net and win game kind of way that they play with the Wilfred Nancy the scoreboard doesn't matter because I'm about achieving enlightenment via <laughs> soccer um, the, the the two going kind down of, the righteous path the two phil- philosophical kind of um, clashes there are are quite stark and really interesting um, I uh, it's the first time going to be the first time we're going to see the crew play a team that is a more dangerous down the right side than they are the left. Boy. Um, which is a factor that I think we can get into a little bit. Um, Ryan Hollingshead, I still think if if we were to make a list of U.S. players who have never had a U.S. men's national team cap and were to rank them over the course of like who's the best to like last. Ryan Holling, Another Hollingshead, Ryan, Holling, Ryan Hollingshead is probably number one on that list yeah. uh, and has had an outrageously good postseason um, on top of one of the more underrated defender years that we've seen. Um, and what he gives them, along with Dennis uh, on, on the wings, 
especially up that right side, um, is not something that the crew uh, are necessarily used to. Um, a lot of teams have been building in this postseason have been building out through the left. Since he did it a little bit with Barrial uh, and Acosta, um, Orlando did it a, a smidge, and then and Atlanta absolutely trying to build out through their left side and their in their middle block and their own ha- you know kind of attacking or their own like defending third and then um, kind of through the middle and they're attacking third. Um, it's um, you know I also think <coughs> excuse me I also think it's really interesting in that. Um, it's it's an opportunity for the crew, I think, to complete a season in a way that we really haven't seen an MLS team complete one in my memory. Uh, in that, a coach has a very almost outspoken philosophical kind of philosophical opinions uh, as to how the play how to play the game and how much that the way you play the game uh, doesn't really influence like the scoreboard right yeah. he mm-hmm. kind of doesn't care about it he said it and, and scoreboard or location yeah you know and and how um, this is like a it's almost like a this like a, like discipleship that that Wilfred Nancy is like on this, you know, mission to kind of spread his like mm-hmm. footballing word to the masses that I think is like kind of unlike we've seen ever in MLS. And so th- for that to kind of then result in like very tangible, like on field results with a championship and another trophy is like kind of, I think is like very like romantic and interesting mm-hmm. and, and fun. Um, it's a little bit like the, you know, the, the Steve Kerr Golden State Warriors and, and how much they changed the game with the, the three points and the three pointers yeah. and the analytics. Um, Andy Reid and what he's done with Pat Mahomes. I would, I would even go so far back as the, those early Bill Wash 49ers teams yeah, in, yeah, in the sure. West Coast yeah, offense yeah. and how this like this unheard of way of throwing the football around, you got to melting the brains of the rest of the mm-hmm. NFL mm-hmm. that this kind of maverick stuck to his guns and it resulted in all these Super Bowls. Um, it's the, uh, it's like the exact opposite of what Billy Bean tried to do with the the Oakland Athletics. Like mm-hmm. that was all like statistics and, yeah. and and leveraging kind of a loophole in baseball. This is the exact opposite. We're talking about intangibles here. That was quantifiable stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's these, this like almost like zealot kind of level fanaticism in in sticking to principles. Damn any torpedoes that come back your way. That are that those those principles, those philosophies, those beliefs are resulting in like a very obviously successful moments that everyone around you, in terms of players, coaches, and now fans, have bought into. I think that's really fascinating and, and interesting. And our Americanism, I think this is this is our our, our Americanism kind of speaking a little bit. I, I love the line from the from the movie Sicario and Benicio del Toro. The, the line, now you're asking how a watch works because nothing makes sense to your American ears. Uh, I don't know if it, any of it matters if the championship doesn't happen, right? Yeah. It does. It absolutely does. But, like, yeah. our American ears probably don't think it does. Uh, but the, there's something kind of romantic and, and amazing about this entire journey that has happened in such a com- more compacted window than any of us would have ever bet come the, the, the last week of February earlier this year. That it's a it's it's an opportunity for a club and a guy 
to accomplish something that like I think has been like genuinely like trailblazing um, that we just haven't had in, in you know the the extra number of years in, in Major League Soccer. I think it'll be really interesting watching Nagby and you're doing it at home by the way right, too. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to Supposedly. we'll get to that. Uh, but I think Nagby and Acosta in the midfield. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic. Just how you know two MLS veteran American guys been around this league for a long time. Um, you know, played for different teams, have had success different teams. Like how that how that matchup plays out. I don't know if it's like the matchup of the game, but those two guys to me are just very interesting in in this game. Um, you know, I, I I've never met Acosta. I've always liked his game. I've always heard good things. Uh, about him, and, and I think him and Darlington are, are similar in that sense that most people don't say anything negative uh, about them, and you know they don't play the game the same way, but they've both they both have impacts coming from the middle of the pitch uh, on their teams, and you know one of them may have to have to have a big moment, um, you know whether that's scoring a goal or just in the in the way you play. I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize this. So I was looking back. Aaron Long. Didn't c- coming off the bench in the 90th minute that that was supposed to be like your guy right when when mm-hmm. LAFC got him it was before this season right he's only been there this year correct yeah, yeah. so um, you know both teams have have obviously had changes to probably how they started the year uh, man I think we were talking about it in Cincinnati on the drive down or on the drive down to Cincinnati about like and we talked about it a little bit last week mm-hmm. on the podcast about like who you'd rather play. And obviously there were some cool storylines with the Houston connections and our tour and, and Steve Clark and, and I feel for those guys not getting this opportunity, but you got to take down Seattle last time yep. in the MLS Cup. Um, you know, back in, in two thousand eight, not that the Red Bulls were a great team that year. They got in very, you know, the last team, I think, into the playoffs. But, like, still that was one of the marquee teams in the league. Um, being from New York, you got to take them down. Now you get another opportunity. Defending champs mm-hmm. in your house. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know if you you can write a much better script, um, you know, with the way that this has gone throughout the playoffs. And I'll say it again. Got to get the job done now, and, and that's going to be the biggest thing. And Golden Boot winner, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we haven't talked about yes, Blanca really. Uh, uh, you know, who's been red hot in the postseason too? I think he's got like four, five, six goals. Um, you know, a lot of those come in uh, uh, the expense of Vancouver. Um, uh, uh, and then, of course, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see Chiellini. Um, uh, uh, just you know, as someone that. Never had a chance to see, you know, Italian and, and, and Juventus, uh, a legend um, uh, in person. He's um, never won anything big, right? Yeah, He's never no, exactly. Any. No, nothing of, uh, of any substance at all. I think, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I was thinking kind of, you know, earlier, um, you know, has a team um, done it in one MLS Cup making as many, you know, Substantive um, additions um, at, at, in midseason, yeah, and the only I don't think so. LAFC last year, um, right? Uh, but that uh, wasn't uh, nearly as many as I, I think. I think is, but they had you know a couple DP players. But I mean that, that they're up there with that, and it's just yeah. I think it's uh, it is. But I think you know more to your part, Pat. It's just it's it's the perfect narrative. Yeah, I mean it's it's what you want. You know, um, for sports writers, it's what you want as a fan. Screw those um, guys, sports uh, writers. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And 
all contexts. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's it's shaping up to be an incredible game, and I really hope some crew fans are able to attend it. Who? Uh, I want I want each of you, and and I didn't I didn't prep you on this. Who has to be the best player on the field for the crew on Saturday to to win that game? Ooh. Um. Huh. Patrick Schulte. I I'm I'm probably I'm gonna say it's I think it has to run I think everything still has to run through um what the, the the crew do in in terms of how dynamic they are when they have the ball and they're and they're doing the, the normal kind of possession thing and when I think of that um, the way they play and and how they they you know win and how they are at their most dangerous it all kind of jumps off of the foundation that Cucho provides mm-hmm. and um, and I think he can affect the way the game in so many different ways. Um, but I, I still feel like very strongly in like the, the idea that like if Cucho scores, like if Cucho is scoring even a single goal, that means the crew are playing in their, in the buildup, in their attacking third, the, like the like quintessential way they want to play. And that means to me that like the, the whole like cliche of like firing on all cylinders and all of that. So it's got to be Cucho. I do think you'll see Julian Gressel get the start in this one um, over Mo Farsi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he earned that. And, I, and yeah, and, I, and I not think, that Mo played particularly. He did have the turnover, but which on, I still think in the moment that turnover. Is is one that happens forty times. A it was game. so FC Cincy that they get. It, of course, they boom, boom, boom. It just it, that it, it was just an outrageous first touch and then finish by by Brandon yes. Vasquez, who, by the way, you know, so long farewell. Yeah. Will you know enjoy Europe and you know hope things go well for you there because that that's his last game in an FC Cincy uniform. Um, but uh, the you know I, I think it's one of those turnovers that happens. 10, 15 mm-hmm. times a game that almost nothing comes yeah. of it. But for whatever reason, that one just got punished. Um, but I still think he gave everything in terms of the running. It just wasn't the type of game that he mm-hmm. needs to be successful because Barrio had nothing in the tank. He, they, I thought through, 40, through about 30, 40 minutes, it looked like to me that he, he had no juice. And so they didn't necessarily, weren't required, you know, weren't necessarily requiring him the amount of running that I think they thought they needed at the beginning. Um, but the, it's the... On the flip side of things, you whoever starts it at, I would I would expect Yao and and Amundsen to, to play on the left side again. I would be really surprised if Yao Yoboa isn't starting uh, as left wing back. Those two have to do a job. Ryan Hollings had scored against Houston. He had an outrageous game the 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 uh, against Seattle, um, the 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 round before. If if you don't do a job on that on that right side, Tillman does a really great job of of floating in central midfield and creating kind of a natural triangle there. If those two aren't organized, it's going to be a problem because that's how dangerous LAFC is is on that left side, creating then overloading to Bianca on the other on the left side and then hitting it with his right foot and being you know scoring goals. That's exactly how they scored against Seattle. Yeah, and, and I have to say I. I 
I don't know that I think Patrick Schulte needs to be the best player for crew, but I think he needs to be his best self. I think sure. for, for any of them, I think that's the big difference because I, I think, again, this is a team that scores a lot of goals. It's got a lot of firepower up front. And this is a Columbus team that just the way they're built and the way they're play, they play, they're going to, when they do, don't have the ball, there's a good chance that, you know, a team like LA is going to be, putting some good opportunities on there. And that's where I think that, you know, you need Patrick Schulte playing at the elite level and elite shot stopping level that he's been playing at this postseason. Um, if you're going to succeed, he doesn't need to be the best player because again, I think it, yeah, it's, it's gotta be Cucho. Um, if, if Cucho is the best player on the field, Columbus, you're in the driver's seat. One thing that I thought was, was fascinating that Jake and Taylor brought up in the, in the Cincy Columbus broadcast and in that, I think Jake brought the question to Taylor, maybe the other way around. The idea of playing in the Eastern Conference Final being pressure or privilege for for FC Cincinnati. Is it a pressure in that moment? Is it pressure or is it a privilege to have that opportunity? Yeah. And it very quickly went from privilege to pressure for Cincinnati, like at the drop of a hat. And when the pressure came, they melted. They totally folded, collapsed. Um, On the flip side, if we're looking, looking ahead to MLS Cup Final, pressure or privilege for the Columbus crew it's privilege and I don't necessarily feel like there's pressure well and I think and if that and if that is true if that is so the the crew come out like jet fuel I think it goes back goes back to the question I asked last week about how would we feel about the result in Cincinnati I think it also comes down to the head coach I think with the way Wilfred Nancy is and the 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 um, attitude throughout this locker room, it's privilege just because of the way he preaches and the way he's got everyone to buy in. I think, you know, yeah. with another and not necessarily Caleb Porter, but like a, with with another head coach, you know, everything else the exact same. Um, without that mentality and mindset that he has instilled with these players, you could feel that pressure. But I think because of the mindset that he's clearly gotten everybody to buy into, you know, the joy that absolutely this yep. is going to be privileged. Yep. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Brett. I think you need Cucho to have a Lucas Zellerayon against Seattle type game. Um, you know, and he doesn't have to do the same, you know, it doesn't have to look that way on the stat sheet, but he needs to be as impactful. You know, this is, you know, you, essentially your MVP. That I don't think they've done player, player uh, awards yet, but this is your guy. You brought him here for a reason. He talked this offseason or beginning of the season, whatever it was, about you know how he watched the playoffs last year and was just so disappointed to not get his shot. And like you know, we could probably go through a list of guys that have been the most valuable players in through through the playoff run for the crew. But like this is when you, your DPS have to be DPS. Yep. And you know, I think if you're looking at it the other way, you know, LAFC, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, they've done it before, so there's less pressure not not pressure but you know Carlos Vela has been there done that last year but you know for me that's that's why you brought Cucho here is is go win us this game in in whatever sense you know that is he can you know whether it's just pulling defenders out of position to get other guys goals um he's gotta he's gotta be I think the best player on the field um should we talk ticket gate sure all right uh so if you've not tried to get tickets for MLS Cup yet, uh, good luck. 
there has been a massive issue because I, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but basically instead of just giving, and I know this isn't the crew's fault, this mm-hmm. is on MLS, but instead of just giving the season ticket holders their guaranteed ticket as they've done in the past, at least when it was here in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, they had a time that you were supposed to get on and all the tickets were gone because maybe there was a leaking of codes that shouldn't have been out there earlier and bots and anyway uh, if you've tried to buy tickets you've realized what a mess this is and there's going to be a lot of people that either are going to have to sig- a lot of people that have put in a lot of time with this team this season who either are going to have to way overpay on the secondary market for this or miss this game. Um, you know, the Nordic lottery is still is going to come out on Tuesday evening, I believe. So some people will get tickets through that. But uh, it's going to be really unfortunate if, if this affects the atmosphere in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I saw some things on the Nordic stuff about people that don't have, you know, the people that drum and the capos and everything. And I assume they'll get those people in. But you know. but those are going to come from the Nordex right. lottery, yeah. um, and 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 that's where you know I kind of look at it. You, you've is we sort of started getting inklings of this, you know, as early as um, um, uh, Sunday, where I started hearing stuff like, "Hey, they might try to enforce like the actual ticket seat you're in in Nordex and not treat it as general admission." Um, but then for, you know, what, what we experienced this, you know, this afternoon, I took, you know, my lunch break to log in and one thinking like, well, at least once I get through the queue, I'm going to be able to, um, and, and, you know, know that, 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 that is not the case. And anytime, you know, never saw a Nordex section available to buy tickets in and anytime you'd click on another section, by the time you touched a uh, ticket to try to get it, it was gone. Um, and, and here's the thing like you know again i've, I've seen we, we've seen the same sort of stuff um um you know that that allegedly this is a sponsor code that, that was leaked out um um uh, if, if you're to believe some of the reports the sponsor code was sponsor code 23 i don't even think that needs to have been leaked out by somebody that could have just been brute force and i'm saying brute force very generously because it's like, like using if password you, yeah for if your you password. exactly if you is password one two three like if i were to just be guessing as a scalper or something i would just be like hmm let's see um uh mls sponsored nope and uh, sponsor 2023. Nope. 23 sponsor. Boom. There we go. All right. Let's get it. 20 tickets. And the thing is, is that none of this is new, right? We've known about this stuff. There, there, there were congressional hearings about Taylor Swift tickets and the bots, the, the Ticketmaster and all of this. Like none of this stuff is new. If it would be one thing, because I've never been one, you know, I'm usually the Occam's razor when it comes to MLS mm-hmm. is, is, you know, um, uh, uh, tinfoil hat as I may be. I think they're more stupid than they, uh, uh, stupid or negligent than they incompetent are. Yeah, is the word you're incompetent. That's another one. Then they are, you know, actually malicious in most cases. Um, but in this case, it's like you, you like when it comes to, you know, business and marketing, I, I think they know better than, you know, hey, you've got 20. Uh, 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 don't let them get 20 tickets on the code that you use this password one, two, three. Um, I think that there's got to, and, you know, this is just speculating, but you, I think there's there's got to be some sort of 
perverse incentive for them to have tickets more a larger volume of tickets on the secondary market um and whether that is this is purely speculation on my side legal review can come in and cut this part out of the (laughs) podcast if they need to um but that there's got to be something that they are getting out because you could just again sell you could have sold all the tickets that you want from any allotment to lafc to columbus um Two fans at whatever price that you listed them at, except for you know the ridiculous thousands of dollars um, for the for the club seats, which is where your sponsors should be buying, by the way. Um, uh, uh, but instead, this happened, and I don't think it is a bug. I think it is a feature, um, and. I don't know what they are getting from this. Maybe it is Don Garber just saying I get to break up Nordec because you're not going to have a cohesive Nordec as a result of this, unless there are some drastic changes um, enforced, you know, by crew ownership. And 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 look, to, this is not on Nordec the organ Nordec of the organization. This is not on crew ownership. They've all made it clear that this is an MLS show. And to that point, I just want to say. What is the point of having a home field advantage, right? If you are going to effectively eliminate a dedicated supporter section, um, the the, the home atmosphere is going to be nothing compared to what's what's the point? Let's just go back to having it a neutral stadium. Because if you or MLS are going to handle all of this and – at best, be just like grossly negligent, and at worst, be actively trying to undermine and and um, you know play your most dedicated supporters, both from the Columbus side and the LAFC side, against each other, forcing them to go to the secondary markets to purchase these tickets. Um, then again, just why not have it? Why not have it at a neutral stadium? Yeah. Well, I think one of the one of the most uh, ubiquitous uh, natural resources that we have <clears throat> in the world is uh, confusing skepticism with cynicism, <clears throat> and I think uh, surface level for me the 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 whole thing is um, just exceptionally disappointing. Um, you know, I, I spoke to this a little bit in. in uh, a couple podcasts ago, when I when I made the mm-hmm. animal animal farm joke, and the the the, the my my kind of ongoing mm-hmm. fatigue and exhaustion of this outrageous commercialization of of institutions that I thought or, or ideas um, concepts that I thought were essentially immune to like and subscribe, brought to you by X Y Z. Audit 2023 MLS Cup playoffs. We, and, and I understand that, you know, powered that, by advocate. And make money and, 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 and do what you need to do in terms of corporate hospitality. But I think the, the fact that this was even like possible um, seems pretty unconscionable to me. I, I, I don't quite understand how or why this was. Um, even like feasible in terms of a logistical possibility because it means in my mind on a kind of a philosophical level, we're venturing further and further away from the point of Mm -hmm. this entire endeavor. 
Which is to allow fans to farther view their, from the righteous path. Allow fans to view and watch and support financially and otherwise their local team in the best and worst moments. And allow those dollars, hashtag Citizens United, allow those dollars to speak for themselves. When you take that away because you need Celsius or Continental or Audi or any of the other corporate partners of the league to be able to bring their C-suite to Columbus, Ohio to, to witness the game in person, which happens in any and all other leagues during these games, but they happen in specific places, suite level, you know, the, the, the premium level. Decidedly not happening at suite level in how, Columbus because those are the was, only tickets left. That's what I'm saying. How this, that, that, I don't understand how this is even possible un, if, if, unless we are, we are that many light years away from the point, which is a fan-supported league and sport. Uh, the, the other is just like, why, again, if, the, if you need them that much, they're telling you they don't value you, MLS, because what are they doing? They're saying, yeah, I'm going to get 20 view those tickets, and then we're going to flip 10, 15 of them on SeatGeek. I just think that the, 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 the whole thing, this, the, the, whole, the whole week needs to be a celebration of the Columbus crew. It needs to be a celebration of their fans. It needs to be a celebration of LAFC and also their fans. And then, by extension, a celebration of Major League Soccer. The only way you get in the way of that is for something like this to happen. Kendrick Lamar said, bitch, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> We're Monday. Usually I'm the one that makes Kendrick Lamar references. Monday, I love it. <laughs> December 4th. Vibe's pretty bleeping dead right now. And Saturday's supposed to be one of the great days in Columbus sports history. Now, hopefully the situation rectifies itself. Like I said, this is Monday. We're, we're taping this Monday the 4th. There's opportunity, and in my mind, a, a moral imperative for the league to fix this. I hope they will. In fact, I actually think they will. How do you fix it though? What do you do at this point? I mean, start over. I like I like the optimism. I just yes. redo. Super redo. Nintendo N64 reset button. Rage quit this motherfucker. I'm sorry for saying the F word. Rage quit this bad boy and start over. But you, the issue here is the secondary market. Those tickets that I are already care. sold. I don't care. I mean, I, I agree with you. You can you like if, if if this is a single entity like we know it is, mm-hmm. start over. You are God. Prometheus is on Netflix. Watch the whole thing. Event Horizon. We have to talk about it, man. That's a family guy joke. No, no. Uh, we have to... Event Horizon, we have going. to talk about it. We, we've talked about... This is the like, second Event Horizon reference I, know, I right? think we've gotten on this podcast this year. This, I love it. You guys are getting great stuff, but folks. To, if, to, if, to what you're saying real quick, though. Um, so I had a situation where somebody I know bought tickets on SeatGeek mm-hmm. early in the morning where he thought... And then within an hour, he received an email saying... Thanks, but no thanks. Thanks. Well, it said there was an error. We're refunding your money. And right. they did refund the money. So from there are a financial, no physical tickets here. Exactly. From a financial, from a financial standpoint, these are trails, basically paper trails of transactions that all can be reversed. Is it going to take time? Mm-hmm. Is it going to take money? Hell yes. Do they deserve to absolutely pay that money as in the league and Ticketmaster? Again, F yes. I believe they will, by the way, for the record. And I, and I you know, mea culpa in, in the future, uh, if I'm wrong here, that might be the internal optimist mm-hmm. in me talking. But um, 
there's an opportunity to rectify this. But I think in general, the whole thing is just incredibly disappointing to me because it's another example, and I think it dovetailed perfectly with what we saw in the college football playoff just a couple of days ago in that the, with what happened to Florida State, and I don't really care. This isn't a college football podcast, and I don't care who's in uh, in those Final Four, but it does kind of dovetail in terms of the corporatization, this corporate hospitality, the trying to find the best matchups, you know, regardless of what actually happens on the field. Um, trying to create this thing when it's already there. And it's already there in its most pure and, and like, in my opinion, best form. It, it was, it's an overcomplication of, of, of a relatively simple formula, and it's incredibly frustrating. I hope it gets fixed. I think it will get fixed. And I would expect Saturday to be the incredible atmosphere that it, that it inevitably will be. Um, and I'd be a little bit surprised if I'm wrong about that. It, it looks like they took a page from the NFL when it comes to the Super Bowl, where the number of tickets that is actually going, like, available for purchase for people, even at a neutral site, is... 20%, 25% of and he was NFL Europe boy. So it yeah, it's, it's a, a wrong it's a bad they, look. It's a wrong that they have an opportunity to write here right. in the coming days. Right. They you do. have 48 100%. hours to get it right. I think they will. I hope they will. We'll see. You guys are more optimistic than I am. I don't uh, I think the league will say, "Well, we don't want to mess up what, you know, the people that have already paid this this and the other thing and You'll have uh, you'll have an atmosphere that won't be as good as it, it could be. And look, I think Columbus can still come together and figure out a way to to make it a great atmosphere at that game. And you know, if the team goes out there and performs the way that they're capable of, the atmosphere will be pretty good anyway. Right. So uh, let's uh, let's predict this game, and then I have uh, I have a few cho- you have choice. You have a closing thought. I, yeah, I have a closing something. Uh, what do we think? What do we think? So. Um, uh, Steve Cherandolo is on the Mount Rushmore of U.S. men's national team players, as far as I'm concerned. He's one of the great domestic talents we've ever created, and he is outrageously, unquestionably the most underrated player in the history of our men's national team program. And I actually think he's a pretty exceptional coach as well. Um, I think the Columbus crew dominate this game. I think, it, I think the way that LAFC wants to play... Which, by the way, is probably if I were to if I were to kind of draw up a game plan in terms of how I would want how I would want to try and succeed against the Columbus Crew, I would play the way LAFC plays. But I just think Columbus has an extra gear that LAFC does, and that actually no one else has in the league outside of maybe Cincinnati, at least until what last week. Um. But on top of that, I don't think you can put a, a quantifiable kind of price tag on the intangible collective buy-in that the Columbus crew have, the joy in which they are currently playing, and the, and the confidence that comes from that, that starts and ends with Wilfred Nancy. I don't see anyone or anything getting in the way of that. I don't see, like, the, the idea of it, like, the LAFC, you know, peaking and then there's a letdown. I don't think it's possible. I said 2-0 in the Cincinnati game. Um, you were close. And I was, I was close. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and I, I still think there's something to that scoreline in, in Columbus, Ohio. I think it's 2-0. I think they're both from Cucho, and I think they happen... 
both uh, one in each half. And uh, and I think it's one of those games that we remember um, not necessarily for what we saw on the field, but the feelings that it, that the, the, the result created. Um, so 2-0, Columbus Crew, two goals from Cucho. Not going to use the B word. Um, uh, but the... And I, and I think it's it's another fitting kind of bookend and chapter into this team's history, the era, the new era of Columbus Crew soccer that we are currently in, that was kind of ushered in by Save the Crew, and the 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 the, the chaos and the turmoil of that situation, and then how everything resulted. I think is another fitting chapter to uh, kind of in that ongoing story. Two zero Crew in MLS Cup final. Sam. Um. I called for 3-2 last week, and uh, I did say it was going to come in the death. It did come in the death, you but did. You in overtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm going to actually stick with it again. I think I think LA is dangerous on um, set pieces because they have some height that they can throw into the box. Um, but yeah, I think I feel 3-2 seems feels like feels like the right the, like the right choice here. 3-2 in a party. Let's go. I'm going to say, well, so here's the thing. It seems to work out really well when I pick yeah, against the crew. Against crew I thought week. the same thing. But I don't, uh, I don't try and do that just to, like, get it done. Uh, so I'm going to give, give my legitimate score prediction. And, and I, think, I think this is a 3-1 game. I think it's probably a 2-1 crew win. Or a 2-1, 3-1 crew win. 2-1 probably for, like, most of the game. And I think they get one late to kind of make it look even better than, than it was. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a fun game, though. I really do. I mean, we've touched on what, what these matchups are, and um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be hella entertaining. Uh, I was going to go with uh, 3-1, uh, kind of basically the same, you know, sort of uh, set up. Do it to him. Do it to him. We're going to go with 4 now. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the, the, the conversations that's, that's been had online this week is, you know, also we'll get into it is, uh, you know, who's going to be the match igniter? I don't know that they're going to have a match igniter. I know, you know, I've, I've seen things reportedly Welsh Arms, you know, has been uh, forbade from um, uh, performing a wise men ahead of the game. Again, another uh, directive uh, straight from uh, the at the soccer don. Um, uh, I don't know that we'll even have, you know, wise men before, because, again, this is an MLS uh, thing. So I'm going to go again. Uh, so I think that means Josh Williams will not be our match igniter, <laughs> which means I think he's going to be on the bench, folks. And that's right. Columbus crew up 3-1 comfortably. And so because they're up 3-1 comfortably, Wilfried Nancy being the, the, the man that he is, knowing, understanding Josh Williams' contribution to this club, that this is, you know, will be his, his final game with the team, gets him in there in that 18. And Josh Williams, um, you know, as, as he's always known to do, gives it his all and gets a scorpion kick goal <laughs> <laughs> at the death. Just still going all there. Everyone else is saying, Josh, run to the corner. <laughs> and no. Um, Scorpion kick goal from Josh Williams. Uh, also some goals from Kucha. And I think Diego Rossi double. The Diego Rossi double. Crew win 4-1. Dig it. All right. Um, let's go crew. Crew.